Double M on the X. Joining me now, the founder of DKPittsburghSports.com. He is Serbian reactionary, Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, when it's a hockey night, it won't be in America. What's your take on Edmonton and Toronto being chosen for the hub cities? Well, my first thought is is it was going to take that for the Stanley Cup to ever get raised again in Canada, right? It's been since 1993 when uh, Patrick Waugh carried a surprising group of Montreal Canadiens to the championship, and that was it. <laughs> Never again uh, for Canada. Uh, you know, the obviously the sad part of this is that you know, what's happened in the United States has kind of left the NHL no choice. And I'm sure they're not going to come out and say that. But with the spikes, particularly in the South, uh, particularly in, in Las Vegas, where I think you and I would agree that everything had lined up for the NHL to hold the Western portion of this out there, uh, everything disintegrated. And the NHL said, all right, well, we can put it in Canada, where we know there's a 14-day quarantine to get in, so the traffic that's moving from the United States to the to Canada, meaning in general, just population, is going to be a lot more limited and a lot more controlled. So, you know what? I mean, it's not it's not a great look for the United States. It just isn't. You know, not that this thing should define it, but it's part of it. This thing is a microcosm of it. I can I can say that for sure. Now, one curious thing, and by the way, it's a little bit of a dicey game. To, to, to pick a site based on where the spikes are now. But I do think that Edmonton and Toronto, because of the factors you just mentioned, are uh, safer than just about any other choices. Uh, yeah, they had, Mark, if you go back to the, the early earliest days, uh, Quebec was hit particularly hard, meaning the province, uh, and into Montreal. And then there were parts of Ontario, including Toronto, that did have issues. Most of the rest of Canada really didn't have any. But since then... Uh, Ontario and Quebec have really have, have really done well in terms of managing and, and you know this condition. And you know, I, mean, I don't mean to make this sound like they won some kind of prize or something. You know what I mean? But it's a shame that you had to move a championship to another country. Well, they it almost is. they almost did win some kind of prize because there's obviously economic benefit just for sure. you know for hotel and catering and all the stuff that the NHL takes with it to uh, put a bubble. In the city. Uh, now, there's a report, Dejan, and, and I'm hoping this is wrong, but there's a report the East will be based in Toronto and the West in Edmonton. You would think the opposite because if you do it that way, the Leafs and Oilers have home ice. Well, yeah, except that, and again, none of this has been finalized to make that clear to everybody. Um, there's There was also speculation a couple of weeks ago, including based on some stuff that that Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, his vice president, both said that the teams won't have home ice advantage, meaning that the, whoever the Leafs are playing might be told to go out west. Whoever the Oilers are playing might be told to go out east. Um, you know, in that event, you would eliminate the home ice aspect of it. Yeah, but then you're moving teams in and out of the bubble, which means it's not a bubble I at know, all. I know, it's weird. Yeah, the whole thing is so weird. Mark. No, that's stupid. We're, we're if if they're going to move teams in and out of the bubble then they might as well have it at Times Square because that it makes no sense. Just like another thing, I'd feel a lot better about the whole notion if they quarantine the players during training camp, but they're not, and that means a lot can happen between now and the bubble. No, the, you know, none of this is going to be perfect, and, and that includes the home ice factor. Um, you know, with no crowd, no fans, 
you know, the home ice advantage, such as it is, will be minimal. I mean, yeah, you're, you know, if you're Connor McDavid and you know exactly how a certain portion of the dasher boards ricochets the puck, it's going to be, it's going to be a help to you. But it's not like you're going to be getting some great big civic boost with no people in the stands, and just a bunch of Oilers logos all over the arena. Uh, I, I don't think it's that big a deal. I agree with you that moving them around would be worse. Uh, it, it'd be it'd be a recipe for disaster. And, and I, by the way, I would have no problem with Toronto playing in Toronto and Edmonton in Edmonton. I have all the faith in the world that neither of those teams has even a remote chance of winning the Stanley <laughs> Cup. Now, uh, of the four major sports, which currently, right now, gives you the most confidence that they will play and finish? Who ranks number Far one on that? Away baseball. Far and away, it's baseball. How can you say uh, there, that no, when there's going to be travel involved? I, I say that because uh, it's 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 an outdoor setting, um, you know, which you, obviously you're not going to have the case with the NBA and the NHL. Um, I, I see the precautions that have been put in place for baseball. I see how organized they've been, how diligent they've been. I have not yet seen that from the other leagues. Doesn't mean it won't happen. But it just means that I've laid eyes on it. I've gone through the documentation. Uh, it's it's pretty intensive. Uh, it's over the top, really. If anything, uh, are they going to be moving around? Yeah, they're going to be moving around. They're going to be moving around in the most controlled possible settings. Yeah, um, it, it'd be better to be in a bubble. It would, but who said no to that, Mark? Do you remember? Yeah, it was the players. Okay, it was the. Uh, the, well, I'm just saying that, you know. Well, I don't think any of know, the players really want to play. I think they will for well, cash and out of obligation. I don't think the players in any sport really want to play. Right. At the very beginning, the plan was, people will recall, and, and, and now it looks crazier than ever, but that everything was going to happen in Florida and Arizona, which are now, of course, the two hottest spots in the country for coronavirus infections. That couldn't have happened. If you were going to have a bubble, it had to be somewhere where there were going to be a ton of fields, everybody could be in isolation. You weren't going to pull that off. The players were the ones that rejected that because the players were uh, very much against the whole bubble concept because they wanted to see families and everything else here. Um, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to take this stuff too far uh, because I, I really think that where we are at the risk of running into a coronavirus conversation here is that there are a lot of infections being spread among younger people that I really do think this can be mitigated uh, through actions like the one that Governor Tom Wolf took today in Pennsylvania by everybody just putting on a mask. I think you're going to see the numbers go down. You're already seeing still, even through these spikes, hospitalizations and deaths go down. I think this one can be handled. So I I don't think this is going to be like March. I really don't. Well, I I certainly hope you're correct. We're talking today's on Kovacic. He's brought to you by... Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bar. Looking specifically at hockey, it seems like the Penguins may be out in front of the restart. They have all their players in Pittsburgh and at the informal practices. You don't see that with a lot of teams around the league just yet. Well, you don't see it in Montreal, most importantly for right now. Uh, From what I understand, the Canadians have barely a handful of guys on hand uh, at the Bell Center, and one of them is not Carey Price. Uh, Well, no, he's there now. Oh, he is? Okay, that's new to yeah, me. Yeah, his, his wife posted on Facebook yesterday he was on his way. Uh, and, and ironically, she did that within a couple minutes of Pierre Maguire saying the price might not play, but now it looks like he's going to play. Okay, well, that will be significant because he he's their best player by about a billion-mile margin. Uh, 
I don't think you're going to see some teams approach all of this with the same urgency. They're going to talk about it, but I think in particular teams that are just stunned that they're even able to participate in this thing, like the Montreal Canadiens, aren't going to be going into this like uh, the way the Penguins will, for example. The Penguins see this, and rightly so, as a legitimate chance for a sixth championship. Why shouldn't they? Look at that roster. Listen to what Mike Sullivan has been saying, including today, about the intensity with which they're preparing, the pride in which they're they're taking with every session that they're having right now. These aren't discussions that you're hearing or quotes that you're reading from places around the NHL. There's going to be teams that know and understand what's in front of them, and then there's going to be the, wow, I really can't believe we have to do this group. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Oh, no question. Hey, if I were Montreal, I'd do it. I wouldn't be crazy about it. I think they know they're going to do a a training camp that's going to be literally three times as long as their season resuming. Yeah. Yeah, and then look at and then you look at the other hand by you know by comparison I'll throw another team out there that's like that in the New York Rangers where by all rights they shouldn't be anywhere near this tournament. Then you see the quotes from Artemi Panarin the other day about uh, you know well the, we're not even sure if all the players want to do this and everything like that. He was speaking of the NHL as a whole, not the Rangers, but it still wasn't a great look. And and I think you're going to see some of that. I think you're going to see some exits in this preliminary round that'll be borderline shameful. Um, Are the Penguins the NHL's best team on paper? I'm considering that possibility because we never really got to look at their full depth during the year. I I, I can't go there because I, I feel obligated to cite as the best team on paper, the Tampa Bay Lightning, just because they deserve the paper champions moniker after what happened to them last year. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the Lightning are frighteningly deep uh, at every position. And are they as deep as the Penguins? I don't know because what you're saying is we don't know how a Jason Zucker, how a Patrick Marlowe will look on a second or a third line. We don't know if, if Connor Sherry will be able to do whatever he did in 2017 to carry the first line in order to make all that depth real. Uh, the defense is deeper right now than what the Penguins had in 2016 or 2017, simply by virtue of having Chris Letang healthy, which he wasn't, of course, available even in 2017. The the goaltending depth is the one thing you were sure that the Penguins couldn't possibly be as deep as they were in 2017, and they're not. They don't have Murray and Flurry, but they have Matt Murray and a guy who just outplayed him in the regular season in, in, in Tristan Jari. Uh, are they the deepest? I don't know. Uh, I'd have to throw in the St. Louis Blues into that category, too, since they just won a championship. They weren't expecting to have Vladimir Tarasenko back, just like the Penguins weren't expecting to have Jake Gensel back, but now they do. The Avalanche are deep. They were banged up into going into what should have been the playoffs. Now they have everybody back. Uh, the Bruins are really deep. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, it's a really tough call. The Penguins are one of, to answer the question, I, I'm sure that the Penguins are one of the five best teams entering this overall tournament out of the 24. The Penguins are absolutely one of the five best. The problem may be that uh, four of those are in the East. Uh, is it going to be Matt Murray's swan song with the Penguins? Will he be traded at the end of these playoffs when he becomes a restricted free agent? Because he's just not going to get the money he wants here. In fact, I question whether he'll get the money he wants anywhere because of the revenue problems due to the pandemic. 
Yeah, I think you, you've seen the last of the eight or nine million dollar goaltenders in the NHL for the foreseeable future. We might have uh, seen we might have seen the last of the eight or nine million dollar contracts in the NHL. Period for any position for uh, the foreseeable future. Oh, I don't know. There's there's always somebody that you can make an exception for as a superstar. I just don't know that it's going to be a goaltender. Uh, when, when you look at the Andre Vasilevsky contract, the Sergei Bobrovsky contract, those were true free agency deals. Or, well, no, in Vasilevsky's case, it was an extension. But Matt Murray is not an unrestricted free agent after this season. The real variable that I think swings uh, in toward moving Matt Murray isn't any of the above. It's the Seattle expansion draft the following year. If the Penguins are in a position where they look like they've got the two goalies and that Ron Francis is going to pluck away one of them uh, and we're going to have the same scenario as Vegas again, uh, I can promise you that Jim Rutherford, uh, based on stuff that uh, we've talked about, won't sit still for that. He's going to find another way to resolve it without just handing somebody a second-round pick uh, to take Mark andre Fleury away. It's going to be a different scenario. So there's a lot of things that work against Murray staying, yes. Uh, and really, to follow up, what an awful time to be a free agent in any sport, Dejan, uh, after oh. this season for all four sports because the money's just not going to be there. Yeah, it's funny because to, 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 to switch sports on you, remember when, when Mookie Betts was traded by the Red Sox because they couldn't afford him to the Dodgers, and everyone thought, oh, Mookie really hit the jackpot. He's going to go out there, and he's going to have a zillion dollars waiting for him after the season. Uh, guess what? No, he won't. No, he won't, especially with baseball heading into a CBA year. Uh, a lot of things about sports are going to be changing, including the economics, for sure. Uh, real quickly about baseball. I've heard you say the Pirates could have a good season. What on earth would make you suspect that besides being lucky over a short schedule? Well, being lucky over a short schedule. You want to throw another one out at you? Is, is the AL Central, is the teams that are going to be lining up against you're talking about three of the worst teams in baseball last year, the White Sox, Royals, uh, and, and the Tigers. Uh, and the Indians are supposed to take a big step backward. The Twins are really the only good team in that other division. Uh, add that up, add the short schedule, and then add into this that the Pirates have talented players. They don't have a lot of them, and they don't have any depth. But they've got a top five or six in that lineup that's going to hit with anybody in that division. Uh, the pitching is the big question mark, and I think you and I agree on that. They have they have an upside. We certainly don't to that agree rotation. on the five or six hitters, but go ahead. Oh, give me a break! Yes, you do. You know, if I start naming those guys to you, you're going to tell me that Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman, Josh Bell, Kevin those Newman. guys won't hit. We'll see. Go ahead. Kevin what Newman about... was one of the top hitting shortstops in baseball while you weren't looking last year, Mark. I won't be looking this year either. But what about the pitching? <laughs> I don't know if the pitching is going to be there. Uh, that That's a variable here. I think it could be there, but I think it's a really big if, and that goes for the rotation and, to a lesser extent, for the bullpen. Well, let me ask you this. For, for the Pirates to overachieve, and by that I mean even to go 500 in a 60-game season, they need a couple of sleepers to have a good season, guys to come out of nowhere, no doubt about that. Who are those potential sleepers? Give me, like, two names. I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a couple. One is Cabrian Hayes at third base. I'd like to see Derek Shelton give him a chance. Doesn't sound uh, to like beat out Colin Mur- to beat out Colin Moran. I, I don't know that he will either, uh, but I hope that he gets that chance, and I hope that they're open. The Pirates are open minded about it. Another one is a name that not a lot of people will remember for anything other than that gruesome injury he had at PNC Park last year. Nick Birdie in relief looks like closer material. He's throwing the ball at 100 miles an hour 
putting it where he wants with a wipeout 91-mile-an-hour slider. This kid in Bradenton, Mark, was just blowing people away. Uh, if he can stay healthy, that changes the complexion of the back end of their bullpen. So, yes, you're right. They need a couple of people to step up. They need another Brian Reynolds, another Kevin Newman, uh, like they had last year. And above all, more than anything, they need to stay healthy through all 60 games because that depth is absolutely not there. And one quick Mike Tomlin thing. This was my uh, Twitter poll yesterday. If all 32 mm-hmm. NFL coaching jobs were open and all 32 NFL coaches were available, would Mike Tomlin be one of the first 10 coaches hired? Would or should? Would he? Would he? I mean, I'd like to think so, you know? <laughs> Show me who out there See, has... I, you know, I, Dejan, I think he would be, but I don't think he'd be top five. And it wouldn't shock me if he was 12 either. I don't think it'd be any lower yeah, than 12. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Uh, but and after also, these last uh, two I, seasons, i got to figure his, his, his stock's down a little. Yeah, it is. I mean, although most people around the NFL would look at the Steelers last year and understand exactly what happened to them. And the fact that he was instrumental in putting together one of the league's, if not the league's very best, defense last year. So, I mean, he's still Mike Tomlin. He comes with a, He comes with the reputation that he has. I'm with you on three playoff wins over nine years. Uh, that's not a good look, but then there's also a lot of these coaches that we'd be talking about who never won anything. That would Somebody would very casually put on a list above Tomlin for absolutely no reason. You know what I mean? No, you're, you're right about and that. And if that sounds like I'm describing Sean Payton, so be it, because that, that's what a lot of this is. But here's, a, here's another thing about Tomlin, though. The last two years, they were 7-2-1 to start 2018. They were 8-5 and five with three games left last year. And I know they didn't have Bell because he blew off 2018 and Ben got hurt last year, but I can't help but feel that an elite coach would find a way to get one or both of those teams over the line of the playoffs. I agree, and the part that's the most <clears throat> maddening about that, if you're, giving it a, a fair, if you're giving him a fair shake, is that Tomlin's reputation before the past two seasons was always, always, always finishing strong. Right. And the fact that they didn't the last two years uh, is not a great look for him. But he also has the history of the Steelers playing better in December than they did in September. And, again, I, you know, let's put it this way. If the Steelers were one of the t- those ten teams that were picking, the Steelers would take him. I can promise you that. No, no, I think they'd pick him number one. I, I think he'd be uh, <laughs> so numero Which uno. Which kind of counts here, right? Head honcho, correct. Dejan, great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Mark. Take care. That's Dejan. He's brought to you by Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bar, where I've been at uh, quite a few times lately.